to the Duty Shall Be Done Old Grad Podcast, where we feature unscripted interviews with graduates of the United States Military Academy Class of 1991. The Duty Shall Be Done Old Grad Podcast with your host, Jamie Schleck, starts now. All right. Well, welcome back, everybody. Um, we're here for the 24th episode of the Old Grab Podcast, and uh, today is uh, Sunday, it's the, yeah, the October 6th, October 6th, so uh, it's, been, uh, it's been a great weekend. John, John, you there? Yes, I am. Awesome, How are you? awesome. So we have uh, John Palsisco, our classmate uh, from Company H2, who is uh, here with us tonight as our guest on the Old Grab Podcast. So, John, how's everything? Everything's fine today. How about you? I'm doing well, doing well. It's a busy, busy weekend, busy Schleck weekend, busy uh, with all kinds of sports and whatnot. I was up at West Point on Saturday, went to the Army Tulane game, and unfortunately we did not come away with a victory. It was our first home loss, I think, in two years. Yeah, first in 15 games. Yeah, it was. Uh, we didn't look so great this weekend. It was, a, it was a tough, tough loss, but on top of being a tough loss, the score did not necessarily reflect how much we were – you know, we were on our heels pretty much the entire game. Yeah, they um, they had some big backs. Um, the announcers, uh, Darling, kept saying over and over. I was listening to it going to a birthday party, but he kept saying over and over um, that you, you couldn't predict what Tulane was going to do. And the, the irony is the coach from Tulane replaced Munkin when Munkin left Georgia Southern and then went to Tulane. So two, two very good, young, up-and-coming Stellar coaches. Hopefully, we can keep uh, coaching around for a while. Yeah, I mean, I when I when I was I I missed like the first fifteen, maybe fifteen minutes, or maybe like five minutes of the game actually. But um, I was driving up. It was like already seven nothing. Like we got a defensive score right off the bat. I was like, I was like oh, we're this is gonna be great. We're gonna we're gonna romp these guys. And it just turned <laughs> out like you know we we actually we had two two of our touchdowns were defensive touchdowns. So and really those were just those are just kind of luck of the draw when they happen. And one was. Uh, Actually, it wasn't a defensive touchdown. It was a, it was a turnover, like on the two yard line. Then we ran it in for a touchdown. And then the other one was yeah. like true blue, like picked up fumble, and we ran it in. And um, it had the potential to be an exciting finish, but uh, the reality of, of it was we were getting, you know, was it wasn't wasn't as close as we would have liked. So I'm sure that the, the army team is back to the drawing board. Jamie, this week. The, the army homer in me goes back and says, okay, if we would have got both of those two point conversions, we had the ball in, in the final minute. I know shoulda, coulda, woulda, but uh, it was forty-two twenty-one. Next thing you know, we scored. Went uh, one for two. Went for the onside kick. Got the ball back. Scored again on the the defensive turnover, uh, and went for two. Didn't get it. So you could have had instead of forty-two thirty-three, you could have had forty-two thirty-seven with the ball. But that still didn't uh, tell you the whole story because they put up a whole ton of yards on us. Um, the, I mean, that's one thing the announcers kept saying over and over. I listened to it on TuneIn Radio when I was in the car. And, uh, Darling kept saying over and over, I've never seen the Army team on their heels like this. And uh, you, you, you said it just now yourself. Uh, but uh, you know what? Short memory, Western Kentucky next week. Beat them and uh, back on track. And drive on, drive on. And then exactly. also... And then also, uh, you know, Navy beat Air Force. It was a very exciting down-to-the-wire game this weekend, and uh, Navy beat Air Force this weekend. Yes, they did. 
And that came down to like the final, I don't know, final 30 seconds of the game. It came back and kicked the field goal, I think, and went up by two or something. So it was, I was listening to it on the car on my way back. And then I had to uh, had to go someplace to meet somebody, so I wasn't able to hear it. On the, I just saw the final score. I figured what happened. So I was at a seven year old taekwondo birthday party. Do you have a seven year old? Do you have a seven year old? I have a. I, I took my six year old goddaughter, my niece, okay, to my seven year old niece's birthday party. She she had a friend party, and invited my sister's uh, six year old, and my sister's down with the flu. So I went to the hospital, picked her, got my niece handed off to me, drove out to the party, and I've never been to a Taekwondo birthday party before, but it was phenomenal. Uh, I watched more kids break wood with their hands on the first try than uh, I would have uh, suspected in my life. <laughs> so give me the rundown. Where you live in, where you work in, kids, wife, et cetera, you know, family in the okay. area. What's the story? No problem. I grew up uh, right at... Most people know me busting my chops for my time at the academy because I'm, I'm a diehard Cleveland fan. Indians, Browns, Cavs, Ohio State, that's me. Um, I live in North Ridgeville, Ohio, which is about 30 miles west of Cleveland. Uh, I've been married since December 13th of 2003 to uh, my wife, Jamie, and we have two children. Um, Peyton is uh, 14, going on 25. She's a freshman in high school. And my son, David, just turned 13 on October 1st. He's a seventh grader uh, at a a parochial school uh, around the corner. And we have two dogs, a a 17-year-old wiener dog that was 17. Yes, he is that old. And I have a seven-year-old bulldog named Zeus. How did you guys meet, your wife wife and you? We met through through friends. Uh, Basically, she's a teacher. And I had just started um, working at a recruiting company. And my boss told me, it was like my first week there. My boss told me, hey, um, why don't you go out with guys, meet the te- guys on the team. So we went and the teachers were having like a pre-school um, starting. It was like August 20th of uh, 2001. And um, we were at a bar. I went to the restroom. I came back to the table. I surveyed the surroundings and ended up sitting next to a very cute blue-eyed young lady who turned out to be my wife uh, a couple of years later. You just charmed her and then it was all over? Is that, is that how it no, went down? No, no, no. I probably, I probably bullshit her and then, uh, no, I'm kidding. I, I, <laughs> we just hit it off. We just, we just hit it. We hit it off. And it's, it's funny. My friends uh, locally will tell you she is a polar opposite of me. She teaches second grade. She gets uh, the lower third uh, kid, of, of the kids in, in the second grade. Uh, anybody that has any uh, learning disabilities or behavioral uh, issues, she gets them. And uh, she's uh, she's a saint. I, I couldn't do her job. And uh, I, I visited the school. I read to the kids. And I'm like, I don't know how you guys do this. Uh, that, that kid should have been kicked out of class about a half hour ago. But you can't do that now. It, it's a totally, uh, rules are different. And um, if you do what they did when we were in school, you get sued. So <laughs> it is what it is. But uh, David runs cross country. My son David runs cross country. Peyton, uh, we were at a. He had cross country today. Peyton at AAU basketball. So we're we're like two uh, shifts in the night. We we meet up at the house when when the end of the day is, and uh, it should be exciting because Peyton's uh, in ninth grade and she uh, she's a pretty good shot of. 
getting some varsity time. But uh, it's been fun. It's fun watching the kids grow up. So we just got, we should say hello to some of our classmates that have joined on the line here. So we got I just saw Brad McElwee signed on. Uh, Larry Brad. Larry Ganewick is on the line. Uh, Brad Hamaker. LG. Yeah, he actually commented too. He said Peyton is an awesome basketball player, and from him, that's 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 a quite an accomplishment. I, a- I, I saw I saw Larry and Jarl. We met up in. Um, I've seen I've seen Larry more in the last two months than I've had uh, since graduation. But I've seen I saw him in D.C. Actually, Baltimore. We met. My niece was graduating from John Hopkins, so I went up there and met Larry and Jarl Perko for for dinner, and then. Saw Jarl and Stan Lyerly, Keith Brown, Cal Cass, a bunch of classmates. Uh, Jeff Simpson uh, at the Army Michigan game. And uh, yeah, Peyton, Peyton's a baller. She's, uh, she's 10 times the athlete I ever was. And uh, she's also much smarter than I am. She gets 4.0s. I never saw a 4.0 in my life. So uh, other classmates we got on the line here, Paul Smolchek, uh, Kirk Swanson, Scotty Halstead, Scott Clemenson. Uh, so we got, we got, a, we got, you know, a good number of people and a few other, a few others that I can't see who they, who they are, but I know they're listening. So, so we should get and some good I, comments. I see, in I, see, I see Brad Hamaker and I, I'll actually Brad Hamaker's hockey team is coming to uh, Bowling Green in Toledo, Ohio this weekend. I'm going to head out that way to see Hammer. I see, know. If he still has, see if he still has that uh, beard. I narrowly missed him. Uh, he was in Pittsburgh last week, and I was in Pittsburgh at the same time, uh, yeah. going on a, a college visit. Uh, I'm not sure why he was there, but he was. I saw he was staying at Steve Havel's house, so I, I contacted Steve Havel, and he's like, "Oh, you know, Hamaker's staying at my house, but uh, I'm not there." And next thing you know, I was like running around with college visits. Didn't get a chance to reach out to him, but that would have been pretty cool if I could swing trying yeah, to get together. Yeah, I, I think I think Steve's gonna be at the hockey tournament too. So uh, I have a little little mini. 91 reunion in Bowling Green or Toledo, Ohio, wherever we run into each other. That's great. I mean, we gotta make we gotta make these, uh, you know, these gotta take advantage of these chances we can to get together with with people. And uh, I was actually at the um, the game yesterday, and I saw um, saw a couple of our classmates. I saw Brian Turner was there. Brian Turner is 18. yeah yeah he's he's doing some amazing stuff. He's like in charge of like the whole. FBI office up there in uh, New New Haven. He's like an SCS, which is like a pretty high level person. So, so, come on, does that surprise you? <laughs> I, you know, what surprises what surprises me is that he is old enough to be like an SES, but then I realize like that means that I'm old enough. Like like that's how old we are. But like yeah. like like an SES, that's like a general officer, like that, that the, the civilian equivalent of a general. And so you're like, but then again, we've got 15 classmates who are general officers, and so. Just time flies. It's just what happens. Shit. It's good stuff. Good stuff. I'm not surprised what anybody in our class does. It's, uh, I mean, that podcast with Anthony Noto just blew me away. We saw Anthony in uh, Michigan, too. And I was was trying to tell my nephew that Anthony's the kind of guy we all aspire to try to be. And uh, it's good good to see notes. I mean, we go back to the prep school in 1986. I got a message from Scott Clemenson prior to the call. And he better not be listening to this and he better be enjoying his, he's, he's on vacation in Cabo. He goes, I'm going to listen to the podcast. I'm like, come on, man, get, <laughs> get, get a life, Scott. You don't need to be on here. Well, if he's on vacation in Cabo, enjoy yourself in Cabo. That's great. Exactly. Go get in some trouble. Go have some fun. Life's too short, man. He's earned it. Absolutely. 
So um, thanks for joining the podcast. I, I mean, I know that you said you listened to a couple other ones. And, and so what, what, what kind of jumped out at you? You said Noto's podcast was something that, that, you, uh, that, that uh, struck a chord with you. Any other ones that were in particular that, that you remember? Oh man, no. The total was on there. I mean, there's been there's been a bunch, and I, I apologize if I don't remember names. I, I I did tell you yesterday. I have I have the ADHD. So yeah, we got to talk about that. I got to hear all about the <laughs> ADHD because I think I, I, you, we're we're gonna we're gonna spend some time talking about ADHD. I want I want to hear all about that stuff. Yeah, all right, so, all right. so now, was, I'll, I'll tell you I'll tell you my daily Alexa reminder to help me with my ADHD. But really, what 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 gets me is um the things that the people in our class have achieved. And uh, I told you yesterday, I, I wake up pinching myself going, okay, I'm part of this absolutely stellar group of people. And I, how did I pull that off? I mean, yeah, we were just talking about the people in my company and I mean, notes and Johnny Robb and Doug McCormick, uh, Elad, um, OBL Faro. I mean, these people are, they're not going to cover off the ball. And, but when you see them do that, it's easy to get up and go, okay, I got to go at it today or I'm going to look like a schmuck. And it, it, it drives you. And, and like my business, like Neil Minahane is, uh, is a, he graduated prior to us. Mike Karsanovich is the president of a company that I do some recruiting for. And when you, when you cross paths with these people in business, I always tell people, I love recruiting for, um, hiring managers that are either classmates, grads, or uh, people that I deeply respect because they they don't hold back. Uh, if if I screw up, they poke me right in the eyes, and I know that they're going to do that, so I don't do it. So it, it's it's one of those things is they hold you accountable. They're not afraid of holding you accountable, and they push you to be the best version of yourself. So that's. That's the one thing I get out of this podcast is I'm not surprised that BT is doing what he's doing. Brian Turner, um, he's been in a he's been an achiever all his life. So it, it is what it is when you when you come across these people. I also saw the Shattens. I saw uh, Mark and uh, Milan Shatten. They were there. Elad was there. Uh, Holly West was there. Um, uh, I don't know who else. Can't can't remember offhand. I saw Kevin Kearns. Parkinson was there. I don't know if he was there. Oh, Noto was there briefly. Um, Anthony Noto, and uh, so yeah, it was great. It, it, without question, I mean, we have got an amazing bunch of very accomplished people, and I also pinch myself say I, I don't so so grateful for the opportunity to be you know connected in this in this ecosystem of high performing, well connected, and super thoughtful great leaders. Um, and so you know, it's a uh, and that's that's part of the part that's part of the um, purpose of this podcast, right? Is to is to continue to foster those connections that we have as classmates. It's to uh, help to help us remain connected. Also, back to West Point to talk about our class giving goals. Um, Company H two, you guys are doing okay. You're not exactly never. <laughs> you're you're right. You're average. You're average for a class. Like our our class is actually. People are asking me actually. No, no, and people are asking me this weekend like, how are we doing as a class raising money? We are actually doing better than most. Our participation rate is higher than most. We are well on our way to hitting our goal of a million five. Um, so I don't want people to think that we're we're behind the eight ball because we're not. We're actually right, ahead, right, right. we're ahead of the power curve. But we want to set the example. We want to be at ninety one percent. You know, and so 
for we're right around 62% of participation rate. We're about a million, just shy of a million one on a million five goal. We got two years left. I think we're going to crush that goal. I think we're going to crush the dollar, the dollar goal. But what I really want to crush is the participation goal. So you guys have 14 classmates who have given out of uh, roughly 26. So that's you guys are around 60%. So you're, you're average. You're, you're not quite running with the black group. You're in the, you're in the gray group. Which is uh, Jamie? Okay. You know, if 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 you uh, like, we had on 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 Thursday nights, Thursday nights uh, at the club, Thursday night wrestling. I don't know if you guys had that in your your uh, company, but if you'd have told our first uh, class group that how many years now? Um, 28. 20, 28 years from now on a podcast with Cisco on it, you'll be considered average. We'd have been like, cool, man. <laughs> but. I will, uh, there's an email that goes out. I'll, I'll, uh, respond to it to everybody and, and say, Hey, um, I, I, I think one way of doing it is I'll throw this out there for everybody in H2 that, uh, donates. That's not on that list. I'll pitch in 10 bucks per person or 20 bucks per person. Just, to, just, just so that they think that they're getting me over to, uh, to raise money. If we have to do it that way, I have no problem. It's a great cause. And uh, you heard I'll, it here. Email, you heard it here. So John Palcisco is going to match ten bucks for every classmate that gives money from H two. There you H, go. H two. In H two. So that's fine. I'll do that. But uh, I mean, there's some classmates that we're going to have to go lift a few rocks to find because <laughs> they 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 don't want to be found, and I respect that. But there's others that we've seen. I mean, if if we can track a guy down from Kenya. Opio, we can track down everybody else. You know, I like there's I, I've, I've said this before. There's a couple there's a couple companies that I just had a lot of connected connect, connectivity to for, for whatever reasons. So B three was one. H two is the other one. Happy to like I knew a lot of people in that company. Uh, Mark Livesay was in my um, Liva. Yeah, yep. he was in my partner squad, and so was uh, Mark Wade was in my partner squad. And then Damian Topping, uh, we hung out a couple times down in the city. Um, and then like uh, Pete Graff, yeah, yes. Pete Graff yeah, was, yes. in my, was in my was yeah, in my Pete, unit. And uh, you, we were talking yesterday. I was like Cal Cass, LG, Larry Ganewick. You can't talk about H uh, two without Mike Barone, Jeff Weber, Web Dog, Tripper, Darl Furco, Fitz. Fitz started in H two. Fitzy was there. Fitzy was there yesterday. Fitzy. We claim we claim we claim Fitzy before everybody else got Fitzy. So uh, Rush Shot. Scott Howarth, P.O. Brammer, Trent Davidson, um, Bernita Warner, um, Noreen Darcy, and uh, Jerry Daniels. I mean, it's it's like it, it was a great group of people. Rush shot, rush great... shot. So rush shot married uh, Libby Box, who's from Libby my Box. company. Yeah, so there's like he actually built, like he a, built that, uh, there's he like built a that wet... palatial estate in Florida. Yeah, yeah. So there, so there's actually like a blood relationship between F1 and uh, and H2. Like a, <laughs> <laughs> royalty, yeah. royalty of each company married each other. Yeah, so, that's uh, right. There's a few companies that like. Obviously, there's a few. Like, actually, I have a list. I somewhere I've got a list of all the classmates that are married to each other. Really? Yeah, because um, I think there's 22 couples that are married. I wow. think that's a number. That's a, that's a high number. But my point was, I was talking to AOG. I said, let's find out if people are getting properly credited for the gifts, because it like, and oftentimes what happens is just so one person gets credit, not the other one. And that's like messing up my my statistics. So I don't want right, right. to improperly, you know, 
call somebody out for having a low and giving rate, but what what really happened was was that somebody's wife gave or the husband gave or whatever. So, so, but anyway, man, thanks for making the podcast. I know we were supposed to go a couple weeks ago, and you were uh, you were not able to do it because your mom was was not feeling well. How's she doing? Yeah, that that's uh, it's been uh, it's been a uh, it's been an uphill struggle. I mean, we started with shingles, and we thought that was that was it. But then we found out she had a minor heart attack and then they didn't know if she had a stroke or Ramsey Hunt or Bell's palsy and back in ICU because uh, she caught an infection, borderline sepsis, but we got her back. We caught it early. And fortunately, uh, she goes into uh, a skilled nursing facility tomorrow, starting tomorrow for three weeks. And, uh, I had the pleasure with my, one of my sisters to interview the skilled nursing places. So there'll be a few places in Northeast Ohio that will not take me when, when my time comes. Cause it, it's one of those things where you, you can't ask a tough question. Cause they, I guess I'll be politically correct. They get all butthurt because you, you bring up a review. That's it's like the number one bullet on their website for reviews. Like, Grandpa was brought in at four o'clock in the afternoon and he was ignored for six hours, but then they woke him up at one thirty AM to give him a shower. And you just you just like repeat that and they get all mad about it. I'm like, I'm just reading what's out there. I go, Is that is that common or um Wait, so you re- you're reading some guy's chart like just happens to be like out there in the hallway or something or Well it's, it's this is a review that's online. Yeah, when you call the skilled nursing home, you try to find out, one, if they're covered by insurance, and they're, they're on the list from the hospital. And it's, it's just, it wasn't something I I particularly wanted to do, but I basically told people, I go, I'm, I'm treating this like I'm filling a job, but the person that I'm recruiting is responsible for my mom's health. So I was a little bit more stringent on the questions because, I mean, she needs... Uh, I mean, the, the Bell's palsy, if you don't diagnose it properly, you could think they had a stroke because the face, the face will droop and it, Bell's palsy is the lesser of the three evils between Ramsey Hunt uh, syndrome and a stroke. So, uh, but the minor heart attack, um, she had a quad bypass in 2000. So it, it's those things, uh, those things, I mean, there were four clear pathways of blood flow. Now there's three because one's completely blocked. There's nothing they can do. They try to put a stent in on Wednesday. The doctor said the risk reward uh, wasn't worthy. So she's doing she's doing a lot better. Um, she uh, she's got three weeks, four weeks of hard work, but we'll we'll get her through it. Well, we'll keep her in our prayers, man. I'll be thinking about thinking Thank about you. her and thinking about you and the family. It. This is, you know, I, I mean, I've been through this. I was through this with my old man. And, um, you know, I think we're all going through it. Our parents are getting older and we have some responsibility for those that are aging and having to deal with these kind of complex medical situations. You, you, know, you find yourself in this, you know, situation where you're having to lead, like maybe your siblings or your family and, you know, your parents suddenly aren't like able to make good decisions for themselves. And yeah, it's not, I mean- not fun. How did how did people like I went online and I just I googled how to decide which skilled nursing home and there's there's like consulting groups that have okay talk to people that you know that may have been in the same situation call them visit them visit them unexpectedly read reviews I'm like okay I could follow that list 
But how do they, I mean, when we were in school and you had to do that, you, you didn't go online, you had to wait 25 minutes for the, the, the 24 baud modem to, to connect. But, I mean, in today's day, everything is it's like instantaneously discovered. You, you want an answer, you can find it. You see, for me, I mean, it was the op- like it was the opposite. I would just take anybody that would take my old man. I would just put him in there because they had their reviews going the other way about what a pain in the ass he was and how difficult he was. Well, I, I, I saw that. Yeah, I was telling that you that yesterday. Yeah, I saw that firsthand. Poor woman across the hallway from my mother had no idea where she was at, and she her her personality went from one to another to another. And I was like, I was, I just told my mom, I go, mom, you're really not that bad. I go, she has, she thinks she's somewhere else. She's trying to go to a room that doesn't exist and she's carrying an imaginary tray. So, and then she got combative. So I was like, I couldn't do, like I was hoping Tammy Ayanaka was on her. I couldn't be a nurse. I couldn't, I can't uh-huh. be a school teacher. Um, my sister's a nurse at a trauma center in Cleveland at a county hospital in Cleveland. And, and she sent me a text tonight. Rough night, hug your kids. Yeah. So the, the stuff they, uh, they, they see know. and what they do on a daily basis, uh, I tip my hat to them. I'm, I'm good. I'm good at speaking on the phone, using the computer to to, to find undiscoverable people and solving uh, recruiting problems. I, I I just I could never be a nurse. I could never be a teacher. Just it, it's it's. Uh, yeah. They're blessed to be able to have the temperament to do that; those types of work. And Moni Washington too. I mean, she she deals with like. You know, oh she's man, Moni is going to kick me in the shit next time she sees me. Yes, Moni Washington too. Yeah, there there are there's a few other ones. Yeah, no, we have a we have a number of clients, and and she she yeah. rattled them off. In fact, I even think that there is a Facebook page for West Point grads who are nurses. Uh, really? Like, yeah, because there's there's uh, there's at least six or seven in our class that are that are nurses and. You know, I, I picture like Moni Washington. She takes care of these older veterans, and and my my father was not a veteran, but I could, you know, he's just he was ornery and he's a pain, and he, uh, he they, lit up. But, but yeah, but they bring you a they bring you a tray of slop, Jamie, and you're supposed to put a smile on your face, like, oh, that was great. Oh yeah, and- that my, yeah, that's my fa- <laughs> my father. Like my father didn't have any teeth, right? So he's like, they all they could do is just give. But he was he could. <laughs> He still managed to chomp down something, but he would like, like they gave him like this, this, um, like, uh, I don't know, like blended up like meat. Right. And he's like, yeah. I, w- I want it rare. Tell them I want it rare. I'm like, all right, dad, we'll get you like rare, like meat, you know? And then he would, he would light up he, like, cause he smoked like a, like a fiend, you know, he lit, yeah. he light up in the hospital room. Like next to his, his roommate would have like oxygen, you know? Yeah, and, yeah, and they, no, they that's, go a, nuts. that's a great combination. Oh my god, they go nuts and they'd be like, "Oh my god, like like it's going to explode." It's like it's not going to explode. You know, oxygen will not cause an explosion. I'm a chemical engineer. I know this. I'm <laughs> fighting with these guys. Oh my god. And then the other thing too, he had like this wound on his foot, and uh, and so I was like, "Dad, let me you know before I leave, let me you know help you clean off this wound on your foot." He said, "No, no, I'm good. I'm good." I said, "Come on, let me just do it." And I pulled down his sock, and there's all cigarettes in his sock. Like, because he, he was pretending like he didn't have any cigarettes, but he had them all <laughs> stuffed in his sock. Dude, he was oh, all. Yeah. This is a great. That's well, a great story. Those reviews that you're talking about, they would write those reviews about my dad, and like, like I would go, I move him from a new place, and they would like deny him because like, oh no, we know this guy. He's not allowed in here. So, yeah, he was it's, something uh, else. And you, the, say, the way you say that, they had my mom. My mom was bumped up to McCann. I wish there was a nurse on the call right now, but a mechanical menu. I, I don't know what that means. I'd have to probably phone a friend. 
and, and Keenan's not on here either. I was going to ask him, but um, she kept telling him she wanted a hot dog with mustard, hot dog with mustard. So they finally caved in and they let my sister go to the steak and shake today and bring a hot dog with mustard. And they just mashed it up for her and they let her eat it. Oh. And I was like, I told him, I said, my mom's 70, she'll be 77 on October 19th. She is an, I'm half Sicilian and Hungarian Slovak. So my mother's a 76 year old Sicilian war horse. And she's, if she wants to get her way, she'll get her way. And she kept asking for that hot dog with mustard on it until they finally caved. And I said, I kept telling them, don't cave, keep her on the diet because if we don't get her to follow the, the program, we're going to be back in the hospital in another three to four weeks. Mm-hmm. And it's just, eventually you're like, all right, the, the definition of insanity, we're doing the same damn thing over and over and we're expecting a different result. We're not going to get it. So the three weeks of the, the, the three times a day therapy, I mean, the doctor's telling you, you're going to have to learn how to chew it chew the right way again because uh, your facial muscles are a little bit different. Uh, but it, it's, and with, with Bell's palsy, with it has to get better within six weeks or that's the way it stays. It's, it's, you, yeah. you got six weeks for it to get better. So the, the more we push her without getting her tired, I mean, the worst thing you could do for an old person is keep them in a hospital bed for seven to 10 days because they lose all the minimal strength they have. Yeah. So it's, it's, um, I've, I've seen it with my old man too. It was the same yeah. way. They, you got to keep moving. But hey, listen, so let's speaking of moving, let's let's shift gears here. Let's move to right. another medical issue which you talk about, which you've referred to, ADHD. So you either have been formally diagnosed or you've diagnosed yourself as having ADHD. So tell no, me. I, I I am fully against. I there's too many WebMD internet doctors out there. I have an actual ADA ADHD doctor. I, they diagnosed me. I mean, I, if, if like right now I don't have any TV, I have nothing on in this room. I have the computer. I can see the screen. If I see a shiny butt or something shiny, it, my attention span will, will, will go away. But it's one thing I learned is pills don't, they'll, they'll give you, like I have anxiety and ADHD. So they give you pills for that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Pills don't teach skills, so you you have to you have to find out the the the, the main cause of why you, you have this stuff and what can you do. So I've been on this like journey of okay, what can I do? And it, it come down to me that I need to I need to focus on having the right diet, getting the right amount of sleep, and exercising because all all HD all the ADHD is is your percentages or your, 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 you basically have issues with dopamine, adrenaline, and serotonin. Okay, so chemicals in your brain, and they're not in the right fashion. Okay, so there's things you can do to put them in your favor, which will make you focus better and, and be more structured. But you, you have to eat right, you have to sleep right, and you have to exercise. When you get away from that, and, and, and if, you, if you do that stuff, the medicine will keep you on the straight and narrow. And I, I was telling you yesterday, what got me into this was I had to fire Walmart. Right? And I hope there's no Walmart employees or executives on the call or listening or listening down the road. 
Walmart, for some reason, would screw up my prescription. So I would go three or four days or five days. One day, one week, I went a full week with one, without my um, anxiety medicine. And it totally, totally just flips you upside down. And you said Keenan, was Keenan at your house or something when this was happening, you said? Or like there was some kind of, was something with Keenan involved with John, this, right? Uh, John, John Keenan is my, uh, I, I go to him for everything. Okay. He, he, he knows everything. Is he your doctor? Is he, is he your ADHD doctor too? Or <laughs> your, your... <laughs> he, would bust, he would bust my shop and tell you about different stories about when he's wit- witnessed me have an ADHD. But, uh, so in hindsight, yeah, he, in hindsight, do you think you've had this like your whole life, like at different levels? Like if you if you go back and kind of like point to different things, and you're like, like when were you diagnosed? Like when, when did like what? How did that all happen? How many years ago? I think it was right. It was after the military. I mean, at West Point, you really don't have time to have ADHD. It's just you're it, it, you're basically following a four year structured program, right? I mean, you knew what you knew what you were doing every hour of the day for four years. So uh, we just got to uh, I, we got in a conversation with a doctor, and I was talking about like uh, having really strong performance in sales, and then it's like I would take my foot off the pedal. And I I I have a a, a method of how I work is. In six weeks, I could do probably four months of work, but I can't. I can't do that every six weeks. So I'll I'll push for six weeks. I retract, um, get ready to, for the next six week surge. Uh, but I was diagnosed with ADHD, and I had I had some uh, instances of anxiety. So started talking to a counselor, and next you know it, I I just start reading into. Um, the experts in the field, and I came across Dr. Daniel Amen, who is one of the world's best ADHD experts. And it was like peeling an onion because once I was introduced to him, he sends out uh, emails, and the next thing you know it, you're reading a book, and then you're reading a book about somebody else, and you're like, okay, this is all starting to make sense. wish I had this about 30 years ago. And uh, if, if you could... If you can measure the quality of your sleep to make sure your sleep is, if your sleep's right, everything else falls into place. So sleep but is sleep number one. Sleep is number one. You, it's the toughest thing. I, I'm wearing this. I told you <clears throat> yesterday about the uh, the brain hacking and, and um, brain and biohacking. So basically, the things that you can do to to help yourself get better sleep, be more focused because. If I could get le- more done in less time, then I have more time to enjoy watching Peyton play basketball, David run cross country, helping with homework, uh, chasing a 17-year-old wiener dog around the house. But so, what's the amount of sleep? How much do you need? Like, what, what's the proper what's the proper amount of sleep for a 53-year-old guy? Do you, ever, do you wear a Fitbit? You wear a Fitbit or any of those? Uh, I have I have worn Fitbits. I've worn like the the whatever the I do the not the Apple Watch, but the equivalent of it, and that kind of okay. stuff. Okay, well, the, the, a lot of those things are now going to where they're giving you a sleep score. They're taking mm-hmm. your your wake time, your light sleep, your right. deep sleep, and your REM sleep. Mm-hmm. And one of the books I read, I was telling you about Ben Angel, who has a book called Untouchable. He went through a ninety day biohacking and brain hacking exercise and told Entrepreneur Magazine that he was going to do it and write a book. Well, 
a few of these things that he <clears throat> tested. And there's a part on supplements, and there's a part on exercise. But there was there was there's a, a few things that he talked about were these wearables. Mm-hmm. And he mentioned that there there is something out there that you can wear on your head that actually Navy SEALs and Army Special Forces wear that puts your brain in a, um, I, I'm forgetting what the exact, um, it's like, it's like perfect elasticity. So for the next hour, um, you, you're basically reprogramming neurons in your brain to help you get stronger faster. So they have Navy SEALs wearing these things are called Halo Sport. It's a Halo Sport 2. And it actually is a little little thing that you get wet and you put it on headphones and you get a little charge into your head on your scalp. And it, the next hour, he, he, he went through a um, CrossFit program and he said his increases in strength on this program where the Halo Sport <coughs> were the best he's ever done in his life. You but, know, you know who um, I saw who's really into this whole sleep science stuff is our classmate Brian Sharp. He's company okay. F one. So Brian. So it turns out Brian. Brian like had a deviated septum and some other something something going on with his face. He had to have an operation done like later later in life. And he said like the doctor basically said you have not been sleeping all right your entire life until now. So you have like this surgery and stuff. But he was also doing. He read some book and he recommended it to me called Sleep Smarter. And it's all kinds of like you know have plants in your in your in your uh, bedroom. And have the lights all the way out. Go to bed before 10 p.m. You know, sleep it, with it, a it, super all, low all temperature. Stuff, all the stuff you're saying right now is all. If, if any of those books I mentioned, it, all that stuff. Go to bed at the same time. Get up at the same time. Your room has to be um, on top of the Halo Sport. There's a thing called the Uro Ring. O U R A. And anybody that wears a Fitbit, it measures your step and your heartbeat and everything. Well, it's proven that if you wear a ring or something on your one of your fingers, it is much more sensitive to all of your readings. So basically it breaks down your, like my pulse drops to 41 when I sleep, which is good. And you want your pulse to be below your resting pulse rate, and it, it measures um, deep sleep, REM sleep. But for some reason, I'm struggling with REM sleep, so I'm not dreaming. Um, so I, I guess I have to hit the hit the exercise a little bit harder this week. And I mean, last last two weeks I haven't been doing much but walking the halls at a hospital. So uh, we'll uh, we'll get back to push ups and the Peloton and, and things of that nature. But it's uh, I went through that. They told me I'd sleep apnea, and I went through all that crap. And finally, they they said, you know, when you sleep on your side, you don't have sleep apnea. And I go, I sleep on my side all the time. So we, I went through like two years of sleep apnea testing, wore, wore those CPAPs, BiPAPs, and I finally told them, I go, yeah, I wear them for about 10 minutes. I wake up in the morning, they're on the ground, so I don't know when they come off. But we, we, we don't do that anymore. You know, I never have had, I, I always, I sleep well. I sleep, I go right to sleep. I go, I sleep like just bam, I go right, I don't sleep enough. But, <laughs> That's um, good. That's but good. the thing that Brian Sharp also in this book, it sounds a little wacky. Like all these things sound wacky, by the way, all the wearables and the, and the <laughs> I, halo. I mean, it, uh, anybody that wants to invent something, all they need to do is just send it down range to some Navy SEAL or some some you know, Army Ranger, yeah. and then they're going to claim, oh, it's used. By, I mean, and when I was at Ranger School, there's all the kinds of shit that people were like trying oh, yeah. to throw at us so they can make some marketing claim, I'm sure. But um, the other thing that was weird, though, they said was um, – 
in this book that Brian recommended, it's called Sleep Smarter. He said, uh, you go out at night before you go to sleep in bare feet and you ground, you get the energy out of your body. Like, like you're picking up static charges all day long. And if you ground yourself, you don't have like the static charge. That's a little wacky, but um, anyway, so enough on this uh, sleep stuff. But the, you know, the ADHD stuff is, in, is interesting. It's particularly interesting to me because I feel like Maybe everybody has a little bit of it, you know, like, and, and as, as you get older and you've got just got more information flying at you, I'm always trying to figure out, like, what is the optimal way to perform in terms of, like. Oh, exactly. Yeah. It's information overload. You're, you're, you're learning the, the stuff. I mean, when we tell our kids that the stuff they wear or, or if they have a Apple Watch or if they have an iPhone or a Samsung <laughs> phone, their phones are more powerful than a Zenith 248 we had at sleep. Mm-hmm. By, by tenfold. I mean, it's it's amazing when you when you try to explain to them. We had the the five and a quarter inch drive, and then I told them that the three and a half inch drive was the ATM machine, and they didn't know. I mean, they <coughs> they didn't know what it was, but the, the amount of information that flows is is staggering. Yeah. You gotta have a system. You gotta have a system to just kind of like, just just decompress and get all that get all that crap out of your head. So, speaking of which, let's let's think, speaking of Zena two forty eight going all the way back to nineteen eighty seven. Let's talk about. So you said, I mean, you you really want to go to West Point, like you. This was like your dream, and it took you more than the average amount of time to get into West Point, right? So tell me that story you're going back to. I'm, I'm not, uh, you'll never confuse me as the, 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 the smartest guy in the room. I will be confused with the hardest working person in the room. I got into West Point. Um, I was accepted coming out of high school. And I had Air Force first, Navy second, West Point third. I was 18 year old kid. And I got my nomination for Mary Rose Ocar. It said, you are nominated to the United States Military Academy at West Point. So all of a sudden, West Point became number one. We get, we do the physical. We do the, the aptitude test. I get this letter in the mail from Dobmer, the, the Department of Defense Medical Review Board. Uh, we are sorry to inform you that you, you cannot be accepted because you have a medical disqualification, which I had an underbite. And... When, when I when I tell that, when people tell, ask me the story, if we're at parties or whenever, they just shake their head like, you had what? So I went into the Army, and I enlisted. Um, I wanted to take Russian, but they told me I had to wait till November, and I wanted to join in August of uh, 84. So I went uh, in the Army, went to Fort Leonard Wood. Uh, I got an assignment at DLI where... They told me, we're going to send you to California, Texas, and then we're going to station you in Hawaii. What language What language are you learning? Come on. Vietnamese. I mean, it was going to be the, the... They told me California, Texas, and Hawaii. It didn't matter what language. So... No, I'm just, was, no, I know. I, know they, I learned Vietnamese, and I was actually talking to somebody last week where I told them... Um, English is actually the hardest language to learn. And I told you that story about Opio, uh, not having a tough time with cough, rough, dough, and through. All being spelled the same, but four different, def- uh, four different pronunciations. The third day, I had Ong Kong, that, that was his name in Vietnamese. He was a 70-something-year-old, 
South Vietnamese instructor. And by the third day at DLI in Monterey, you didn't speak English in class. It was complete, total immersion. Oh, my God. And I'm a 19-year-old kid. I'm in, I walk into the barracks the first day. I'm in my Alpha 2-3 uh, sweatsuits because that's what you think the chicks dig when you're 19 in the Army. Um, I walk into the day room, and there's a beer vending machine. And, I mean, you could buy beer with coins in the vending machine. By the first week of school, I didn't have to use an alarm clock because the barracks are right right up the hill from Monterey Bay. So the sea lions started making noise at 5.30 every day. So after the first week, I was like, okay, I don't need an alarm clock. I just need to keep the window open. Hey, was Scott was Scott, Clev, was Scott Clevenson and Dan Clevenger, were they there with you at the same time? Because they went to DLI. They, they may have been, but um, I believe we're all close to the same age. Yeah, I know those guys. Like They both are in Korean, I think. Um, Clev- yeah, I was, I, was, yeah, I was 21 when I was a plebe. I was, uh, I was of age when I was a plebe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So then, so then you went to the prep school, or you took some sort of standard. Went to the prep. Went. went uh, I graduated DLI. I went to Goodfellow uh, Air Force Base, which is a joint uh, military intelligence post. It's where everybody learns. We're all the ninety-eight Charlies and ninety-eight Golf. Um, everybody that was a signal intelligence analyst or interpreter, that's where they went to school. Middle of nowhere, Western Texas. Um, and then I got accepted to the prep school and I was ready to go to Hawaii for four months, but they told me that it would be too expensive <clears throat> to, uh, send me there and send me to New Jersey. So I sat, um, I sat in a Intel center and I filed papers and I knew of the Libya bombing the day before the Libya bombing. Cause I had to put it in a special pile. I remember reading it going, I don't know if I should be, I should have seen that, but it, it had every, all the detail and it was, it was pretty interesting for a, for a 19 year old kid to, uh, to, read to that do stuff. that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's pretty intense. So I went to the prep school and I mean, it was kind of like West Point light. They told you there's 320 to start and 180 to get in. <clears throat> really? I didn't realize that they, were, that, that, that they cut it down by that much. I thought almost everybody went yeah, to prep did. school. It was it was it was kind of brutal. I mean, if there's any prepsters on on the call, I mean, I, I remember um, we had um, Dean Beal was the guy. Uh, Dean Beal was the guy. Uh, so <laughs> I just read what I just read what Hammer wrote about stay out late and eat junk food, but uh, Dean Beal was the, <laughs> the um, he was the dean, and and he had a very distinctive voice. They'd be like Johnson, Williams, Patterson. Come down to the office and bring your books. You won't be needing them anymore. And I mean, you just and, and you knew those guys just got cut from just the program. Duffel bag drag. And, Get the hell out of uh, here. It was. You better be moving with some alacrity and dispatch. And alacrity and dispatch were uh, two vocab words that he pounded in our heads. And it was. Uh, the prep school was, it was a, it was a good, uh, it was a good experience. It was also, I mean, it was cool that I was getting uh, sergeant's pay. I was getting paid like twelve hundred bucks a month, 
uh, while while everybody else there was getting paid like five hundred bucks. So it was a good uh, a good time, good experience. You know, um, so I also I know that one guy got kicked out the day before our day, right? Didn't he come up on a drug test or something like the guy that was like the head? Uh, yeah, you know, don't they don't want to get me started. There's there were probably five people that went home on leave from the prep school, knowing they were gonna go on go home on leave, come back, and quit the first week of West Point. And I remember seeing one of them by the library. And I walked over to him, and I, I tore into him because my best friend, Dennis McCarthy, was the first guy that didn't make it. And everybody and their brother knew there were a group of people that were prior service that took the appointment, but they didn't want to go back to their unit, so they took the leave, went to the academy, and quit during Beast. Really? Hmm. Yeah. So uh, I got lit- I had a guy come over and, like, what do, you, what do you do? What are you falling out for? He was, like, tearing into me. Sir, I make a statement, and I explained it to him, and he just said, "Get out of here." He goes, yeah. "He said if it was him, he would, he probably would have hit him." I mean, it was just, to, to, I, I guess, getting into the academy. The story, like I when I when I meet with kids that are trying to get in, when I've been, <clears throat> when I've been on the interview panel, I only had one question, and every one I would just look at them and I'd ask them. What happens if you don't get selected? What's your backup plan? And um, so you sit on that board for locally in Cleveland yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. Every every uh, I did it like four or five years, and then the yeah. last year we got into a we had a naval academy mom that was that was that was leading kids to the naval academy. She was she was asking leading questions to to push the naval academy, and an old grad. Uh, like a 67 grad lit her up because, and she wasn't even a grad. She was a mom of a grad. And so she was selling the Naval Academy during the interview. And we, we just told her like, this is to just, this is to decide if they're, if they're worthy of getting into the Academy, we're not supposed to be selling them. Cause if we, we're going to sell them, I, I'm, I'm going to sell circles. around. Uh, yeah. I think, and I think real, and the reality is none of that shit, actually matters i mean i was a male it really, it really doesn't but the, the, she was really yeah, she was the, annoying the academy is the one who makes the decision but i know there's this one young lady here in 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 new jersey her older sister got went right into west point and you know had four years and then she's like she's like one year behind her her sister but she didn't get in then she had to enlist then she you know did probably something similar to you went to dla did this so she's going now through the prep school finally getting in She's one year younger than her older sister, but she'll be like five years behind her in commissioning. But she just yeah. is just like really want to go to West Point. And it's just so impressive to see somebody like figure it out, like that there is another path to get in. It's, it's awesome. I'm yeah, sure she's going to be a great it's, officer. It's, it's, uh, adapt and overcome. There, yeah. There's there, there's so many ways to skin the cat. It, it, and that's it, and that's your story. That's the story of John Palsisco, right? So tell, tell me. So, I, 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 I usually don't get something right the first time. It might be the eighth or ninth time, but I'll get it right. And you were so and you and you were mentioning to me on in the pre-call that like in your design partner group, you were the guy that would uh, do the Buller run, right? That was your specialty. No, 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 no. I wouldn't do the Buller run. We had we had four football players: it was myself, Cal Cass, Ben Barnett, and Mike Mayweather. Who better than to be on the Boozer run than the all-time leading rusher in Army history? Oh, Mike Mayweather. So Mike went. Mike Mayweather. Yeah, because Mike, Mike and I are pretty tight because we spent Sundays with Major Jancic in uh, rock swimming. 
and I remember that 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 project was an all nighter, mm-hmm. and we we uh, we had to stock up on some goods. Um, what well, what class was it for? Systems engineering. Okay, so you, uh, this is like a cow year or something. Yeah, it it, it was cow year because Ben Ben was a firstie. Okay, and you guys were all in the same. You guys all so did you guys select each other because you're all football players and say, well, we're on the same Actually, schedule. It might have been his junior year because I I sat out football my junior year, and then finally when they uh, the doctor said if if you don't quit football you're probably get kicked out of the academy. I I stopped playing. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, uh, that finally uh, it registered then. But uh, may, maybe our, our our yearling year, and you know what, thirty years they all blend together. But um, Cal, Ben, and I were were and Mike were were partners, and uh, Mike was just funny. He was just a funny guy to be around. I'm like, hey, Mike, can you run the Boothers? And uh, we want a pizza and chunky monkey, and can you make sure you get us a diet? I mean, we're like eating a. <laughs> I, Chunky I monkey. That, that's that's that that's gone now. They don't they don't have chunky monkey. Chunky monkey and rainforest crunch. Those are no longer uh, Ben and Jerry's uh, flavors anymore. You sure? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I thought, I, mean, I, thought I, I thought I saw one. I thought next time I see one, I'm gonna take a picture of it and show you. Oh I'm well, sure. yeah, send, send it. To, maybe maybe it's a regional thing. Rid of it, yeah, unless they've gotten rid of it recently, but I've seen it in the last last couple of years. Okay. But I I don't eat it anymore because I ate my fair share of Chunky Monkey when I was at the academy. Boothers, I that's what a, what a crazy you know. Jim Montgomery and I we used to call up Boothers at like eleven fifteen at night or you know twenty three fifteen and say like, do you have any extra pizzas that nobody like came and you know claimed them you know because we had no money or you know we didn't want to pay for right, the pizza. Right, but right, like, right. Like, if you're gonna throw it out, we'll come up there and we'll we'll get it right. So we're like. It was always some shitty thing. It was like, you know, Hawaiian, like, uh, pizza or something. <laughs> and so Jimbo's like, well, fuck it, man. Why don't we just call, order it, like, just get a pepperoni pizza, and then don't pick it up. And then call at, like, 2315. Oh. And then we're like, so so then, so we're like, all right, we're going to call. So I'm on my way up there. I'm like, this is like Honor 101. Like, this like yeah, Cadet X. <laughs> Cadet X. Called for the pepperoni pizza, you know, and then pretended to be somebody else, you know, falsely impersonated the, and then, so I just went up there and paid the seven bucks for the pizza. But it, you can see how you can kind of like walk into a stupid honor violation, like not thinking like, you know, anyway, so that's my Buller story. Crazy. Hey, hey Jamie, Scott Hall said, <laughs> Scott Hall said just posted, Mike Mayweather was, was their Boothers guy in their design group. Jeff Weber did all the intellectual heavy lifting. I have no doubt in my military mind that Jeff Weber did all the heavy lifting. That guy is smart. Smart guy. Investment banker, investment banker, smart dude. Jeff put his mind to it. It got done. It got done right. Mm -hmm. He, uh, I can just imagine Jeff, Jeff saying, okay, both of you guys go to Google and let me think. So, you know, we've talked on, on this podcast too about how they put these companies together. You know, like they have like their old, like there's some demographics, you know, you've got your, People of color, you got your athletes, you got your smart ones, you got your you know good leadership ones, whatever. So like you begin, people begin to fall out into like this like you know this this bell curve or whatever. Like so so Weber definitely was your you know two standard deviations from the mean smart dude, right? right? And he I, was he was, was that guy. Yeah, I was I was man of steel because once I got the once I got the first year, all I kept repeating to myself was. Don't do anything stupid, man. This has been a six-year plan. Which you, you now tell me about how many hours you walked. Zero. How is that possible? 
I told you yesterday, you only had to be faster than one person. Okay. Okay. <laughs> who was the, who? Who pushed the limit in, in H two? Who was the guy? Who was the, oh, the guy or the gal man. that? Uh, so you had Noreen Darcy, right? Noreen. Well, yeah. Well, then Noreen. Did she get some hours? Do I remember she got? She slight... got some hours. Well, how about how about Colonel Matt Lewis in my company? Oh my God! You mean Colonel the amb- the ambulance? The guy who who heisted the ambulance? Uh, Army no, Navy. No, I was in the room. It was an MP truck. Hey Cisco, what's this? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go for a ride in the MP truck, and I'm thinking. I remember Matt as a plebe when we were in the uh, sinks and he was being held up by his LBE by um, Dave Leak, another football player. Matt said, I quit. I'm out of here. And he was, he was, his, his feet weren't touching the ground. And all I remember is Mike Barone was in front of me and Mike Barone was laughing so hard. You know, you like, you can't laugh out loud, but you can, your shoulders are like shaking, mm-hmm. and I could. Matt, Mike was laughing his ass off in front of me, and I'm behind him. That was when Mike. Mike was like, he was an offensive lineman. He was like 250 pounds, and I was hiding behind him, laughing uncontrollably because I could see out of the corner of my eye that Matt Lewis's feet were dangling. He was like running in place, and his feet weren't touching the ground because Lee had him from the stairs. He was like four stairs up, and he lifted him up by his LBE. But he's like, he's like parallel to the ground, and he uh, he had a stellar military career. He That's just joined. Guy. Well, you're talking about That's he's he just joined. Guy. He's his name just yeah. popped up here. He's he's actually listening to this podcast right now. That's another guy. Now is that that that's the, the Matt Lewis book writer? Or no, the, hold on, hold on. It's L E. Hold on. L E W E S. L E W L E W. So L O L O U I S. He's written his awesome book, Mission Transition. We got to give that a plug. Yeah. And he's also generously offered any one of our classmates that want that book, he'll be happy to get us get us a copy. And there's information that Scott Clemenson put out. I, I brought, I, yeah, I brought I brought the book to my daughter's basketball games today, and 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 went through a good portion of it. It's a great, it's a great read for somebody that wants that wants some help. Uh, I mean, what I see is the biggest transition issues is people need to get away from the, that piece of paper. The army gives you to tell you what your annual earnings are because you're trying to get that in a salary in your, in your first job out and the numbers don't match because you, ha- you have to, you have to put a value on benefits. You have to put a value on bonus plans, ESOPs, 401ks. It's a, it's a, it's like drinking out of a fire hose the first year out. But Matt, Matt Lewis book, Mission transition must read, must read. And, and the thing is, I'm going to put in for a free one and then drive to the Lorraine County Veterans Place and drop it off. That they can use it, use it as a uh, as a reference. It is but a it, lot of great, a lot of great information. Not only is the book awesome, it, also the website because, like he, he said, like he couldn't get everything into the book. Like they, they, they you know, they 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 limited him to whatever 350 pages, but he's got. All this other analysis, and you know, speaking of like you know that bell curve of like intelligence, you know, he was I he I gotta believe he's like one of those two standard deviation guys as well because the way that he kind of breaks it down and chunks it and analyzes it and 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 presents it in terms of the methodology and but also like the way the whole sort of 
um, landscape is laid out there. It's just brilliant. And um, so and hey, what a gift. You, yeah, he reminds you not to skip. Because some people will look, okay, how do I how do I close the deal before laying the groundwork to the resume, developing your brand, uh, reaching out to people, building your network, and that, that that's another. Um, I think um, now the academy has has their own uh, network, but people people have to learn that LinkedIn. You don't have to shake someone's hand to connect with them. And you could learn a heck of a lot from a lot of people without never meeting them. And that, that's, uh, that's one thing I try to tell people. Um, build your network before you need it. <laughs> you never know when you're going to need it. That's right. And, and, and you can, um, you know, that network is not only just about making, you know, getting a job. It's also about being there for each other. It's also about, like, you know, connecting to different parts of the country or, you know, trying to work, trying to, you know, help out, you know, two, two different distinct people, you know? So, um, that's what it's all about. And that's, it kind of gets back to the, maybe part of the purpose of this podcast is not just to only try to raise money for, for our class, but it's also to just, you know, kind of rekindle these connections that we have back and forth and, and tell some of these stories and remember some of those crazy things like, stealing that MP. So he, did he get a first class board for that, for stealing that, the MP vehicle? I, I don't know what. See, I, cause I think it was, he didn't really steal it and he also no, didn't he did. like drive it oh, away. He, he just drove it slowly around the area. Right. I mean, that's what's, how so bad no, about left, that? It, right? No, it left, it left the area. Oh, it did. He, he drove it, it off. The area. He, he drove that thing around post. <laughs> he drove that thing around post. It, it left the area. I thought he was just going like slow motion, no, like in central no, area, no, and they were like no, chasing left, after him. He left the area. I, <laughs> I joked with him when I saw him at our reunion. I go, hey, can I talk to your kids for a couple seconds? He goes, no, Cisco. <laughs> you can't talk to my kids. <laughs> You know what's so funny? Too? I mean, here you know he's a full bird colonel, and he but he's also a super smart guy. I think, right? I mean, oh, he's, he's a physics he's, guy. He's like, yeah, he's working. At, he's working at some think tank. I mean, he's, he's, he's Sandy, a smart guy. Sandy National Labs or something, right? So yeah, he's uh, he's creating the future. So funny! I remember just this one thing I saw him post on <laughs> Facebook it was so funny. It was it was a picture of his kid, and like everyone everyone was there for Boy Scout camp. And every single one of them had a uniform on except for one kid. And he goes, try to remember, try to think which kid is my kid. Like, you know, like who, who's who's not wearing, who forgot their uniform at summer camp? It was just. Uh, it was Lewis's kid. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Pretty funny. Pretty funny. So tell me about some of these other cats in uh, in H2, some some of the other antics. Oh, man. Uh, LG, Larry, Larry Gnave, was, he, was, he was the same. He was. He's a hell of a basketball player, and uh, just cool, cool as a cucumber. Never, never got frazzled. Mike Tripp was my uh, computer golf uh, buddy. Tripper and I during com- computer golf. Would, what's that? Oh, oh, you we play. We'd get on the computer and play golf against each other. It would be like we'd run, we'd run to the cadet store like they got the new golf game, <laughs> and we were excited about it. But it would be it would be embarrassing to uh, to. Um, <laughs> Tripper, Tripper, I, I went to um, aerosol school with that guy, and I laughed so hard at some of the stories he would tell from back home, and the story about how he got drunk at football practice and was, went to football practice drunk, and his coach ran him in front of everybody until he threw up. 
and uh, it's pretty funny. He, he yeah, was, sure. We went to trip. We went to Tripper's uh, wedding in Minnesota, and we took over the town. It was good. It was a good time. Good time. And he was also grad assistant too, I think. So he he yes, stayed. I at, believe he was. Yeah, my nephew is a baseball player, and he's trying to get the grad assistant job. And I, you know, as we know from our classmates that did it, it's just a sweetheart deal, and it's just a great great situation to get. So, uh, also your classmate Pete Graff, right? Yes, Petey. That that was that was sad. That was uh, I. Um, we, we've been to too many funerals of, of of our classmates. Like I, we were talking yesterday, and I I could I could visualize. Uh, I mean, Tommy McTeague, um, Paul Haggerty, standing out and standing out in Highland Falls, waiting waiting. To, to get inside to give Trish a hug, uh, and, and Petey Graff, uh, I mean, that was that was an absolute shock. Um, it, it's it's um, I always tell people you, you don't know what other people are going through. You, you really don't you really don't know it. And if you can strike a, strike up a conversation and get a better idea, I mean, if they're if they're going through a struggle, see if you can lend a hand. But there are some people that are so proud that they, they 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 won't take help. They won't ask for help. And uh, those are the ones that uh, I mean. September was uh, suicide prevention month for the military, and it, it's 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 sad to see the number of people uh, from from the armed forces that take their lives. Um, yeah, Pete. Pete, I think was our first, um, and I mean that that died that particular way. And um, he was in my company in the army, so we were lieutenants together. Okay. And he he just you know a, a wonderful guy, and you know he's great great with the soldiers. You know he was just fantastic and if, broke if my heart. Ask me, uh, tell me one word to de- to describe Pete. I would say gentleman. He was the perfect gentleman he he was well-mannered he was smart as a whip and he was always there to lend a helping hand so that was uh that was a tough one yeah i went they they did two services for him so there was one that was done i think down in charlottesville because that's where he was at uva or or wherever or he's down in dc i think or something and um, and then he did another one in his hometown, which is out in like Western Pennsylvania, someplace. I, I think that's the one we we all showed up at. That's Thank where you. I was. I went to that too. I guess I I, man, I so long ago. I don't remember if I saw you there, but I just I remember just kind of driving through this town, saying, "This is where this kid. This is where he grew up. This is like I'm I'm like walking in the footsteps of this you know wonderful person who we lost to this right, terrible right, right. thing." And uh, it was just you know really kind of grabbed you. So, but, um, anyway, so, but, you know, he was, he was a wonderful person and he was so good to, is, is so, he was like so professional, like you said, such a good person and such a good sport about things too, yeah, right? I mean, yeah. just the, and, um, I know that you got, I mean, you've got like, he became a, yeah, he became an attorney, correct? Yeah. He was a flep attorney. Yeah. He was, uh, he was kind of like the company, um, he was the judge, but there was, if there were if there were discrepancies that popped up, we would we would have we would have Petey help us out, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he would he would listen to both sides, and 
and we really didn't have a lot of squabbles in H2 because we had Petey. Petey would make us bo- make it both sides um, think logically, and we'd we'd uh, we'd hug and head over to the Firsty Club and and be friends. Mm-hmm. So let's move on here to talk about uh, your time in the Army. So you were uh, commissioned ADA, right? I was ADA. I was branch detailed uh, MI, and we were, it was right when we ramped up and I remember showing up to my unit in Fort Lewis, reporting into the XO and I got told, and I won't mention any names, but a fellow classmate came in the day prior and threw a fit when he found out that uh, he was going to be sharing a platoon with an ROTC grad. We had, we had like four or five lieutenants per per actual role. And in, in ADA, we had, um, you had to get table eight qualified. And at the time, um, we had two two people that were table eight qualified. It was myself and, and uh, Tom Raggio, who was a 90 grad. And we got to the point where we're like, okay, so if there's only two of us, how are we, how are we going to sleep? Like we're going to do four hours on four hours off. Oh no, you'll rotate with captain. So I'm like, Oh, that's going to, that's going to go over well. You got first lieutenant, second lieutenant rotating with captains because we don't have enough uh, lieutenants that are table way qualified. But at that time they started downsizing too. <clears throat> and it was the 93, 94 timeframe where, uh, because we were, Fiscally challenged, like I never live fired a missile. We did most of our training on computer simulators, which is kind of a, a, a precarious position to be in when you're in charge for 30, 35 people's lives and you don't know if you can actually uh, put up a, a launcher and fire it live because uh, I believe it was President Clinton at the time uh, was doing a drastic downside. So, at that point, um, people were getting out. I wanted to go to. I was I was branch detailed, am I? But it, it never took it never took uh, took effect. Uh, I ended up getting out, and and you'd ask me like yesterday the transition. Um, when I got out, I was I was a stockbroker for eight years. And where at? Where, where were you stationed? Uh, where were you I, living? I started. I, I interviewed. Uh, funny story, uh, interviewed with a gentleman in Cleveland for Merrill Lynch. And turns out that Gary Yerkes, who was our uh, company, uh, our tech officer at HQ, <coughs> jumped into Grenada with the guy that ran the Cleveland office for Merrill Lynch. And uh, he basically told me that he, he was the guy that started Delta Force or something along those lines. Well, I interviewed with him, and he said, "Go get, go get some sales training, and come back here in a year. We'll hire you." So I was like, "Okay." <laughs> I went. Uh, I interviewed at Prudential and Payne Weber. Got got offered both. Went to Prudential. A couple years later, Merrill called. I met with Joe Abair, who runs a uh, the Randy. There's a lot of like Brian McWilliams, new Joe. There's a lot of uh, academy grads that go through the the. The JMO programs for the, the stockbroker, the, the financial services companies. And a lot of them, if you throw the name Joe Aber out there, he was 
he was the guy in charge of, of uh, finding all the, the military guys that, and gals that wanted to be uh, financial services professionals. But my, uh, my mother's, like I told you earlier, my mother had a, had a quad bypass in 2000. Well, when she got sick, I basically was the glue that held my four, my four sisters and brothers together along with my dad when he was alive. Well, I didn't take care of myself, so I ended up getting sick myself. And I had a uh, electrical issue with my heartbeat. So I had to have, I, when I was 34, I had a heart catheterization. Really? No blockage. Yeah, I had no blockage, but they found out I was allergic to the dye, which um, you get spots on your face, your eyes look like Spider-Man, and it feels like you have a piano on your chest because it stops to see such your breathing. So they gave me a nice little shot of Benadryl. I was fine. Um I was, t- uh, they made me stay home for like three months. No, nothing exciting. I wore a, a halter monitor and, uh, for, for, for three months at like five thirty every day, I would call, uh, this guy on the phone and play the, play the modem that was connected to my, uh, heart rate. And they determined after three months that I had a unique heart rate and heartbeat and there was nothing wrong with me. So <laughs> they, they were talking pacemaker and all these things. But did you say, you said you had a heart stent or a catheterization? Like they did like the balloon thing up, like up your leg and everything. No, they, they just, they just, they go in and they check for blockage and I had nothing. I had no blockage, but they go in through like your groin. They like put a they go into your groin. They shave, Jesus. they shave in that area. And, uh, I, I told the story last week and I said, you know, my cousin explained to me how, how, how it worked. And I was like, you know, I'm just hoping for a, for a real old, uh, like frumpy looking nurse. I, I, I don't need like a model coming in and sure enough, this girl comes walking in and I'm like, I am not having my, I'm not getting shaved by her, but it was, it was, uh, it was a funny, uh, funny thing. Cause I just laughed about it. But, uh, wait, so hold on a second. I, I, cause I thought they went through your leg. They, they go, <laughs> no, they go through your groin. Like, like, in, like <laughs> through your, like, okay. I didn't know if, that. If you need, you need me to take a picture and send it to you. <laughs> no, I'm good, man. I, th- I think I, I think I, I think I got the picture. I, th- I thought it was like, I thought it was like you're artery in your leg or some shit. Like I, they... say, I was, I was, I, I was, I was embarrassed that I'm sitting there butt naked and she's got to shave an area to make sure that the needle can go through. So mm-hmm. it was just one of those things where it's like, I'm just hoping for uh, old and. And this girl was she was a, she was funny. I mean, she she was good with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it was it, it came out it, it was safe, but uh, yeah. I so, just I, I, mean, I do not want to get old, man. I, I do not want to have to deal with this shit in my life. Oh. You know, the, the, the thing is, is, is like, on September twenty fourth, I had a fifty three and a half party, so we got half a cake. And I joked with my kids. I'm like. The thing is, is I always joke that I'm the old dad in their class, but I kid you not. Most of the people that, uh, <laughs> hey, Jamie, look at Moni. She's a cardiac nurse. She shaves the private. She Dude, knows exactly. She, I, uh, on the prequel, I'm sorry. She exactly she, what I'm talking about. She does freaking, um, she does the, the wrist now, catheters, okay. man. She's, she's putting yeah. catheters into, into people. Yeah. This, they go through the and, list now, and Moni okay. does. Moni does an f around, man. She's gonna be like, "Come here, get over here, get over here with that." You know, I mean, she's not gonna, she's not gonna, she's not gonna have you be all squeamish on her. You know, Jamie, hold on, hey Hammer, I am, <laughs> I am in great. I got a resting, a 
resting heart rate of 51, I'm, I'm good. Blood pressure is 120 over 70. I'm good. You, you don't need to get insurance for me to come out next weekend. We're, we're good, man. I love you, brother. Oh, Moni says you can go through the wrist. You don't need to go through the groin. Yeah, well, we're, we're older than Methuselah, so... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all right, we get we got to bring this back to, to be a little more professional here. I, I, I've I've already cut some parts out of these podcasts and uh, and in, in, in the replay, so I, I think we're good though. We're good though on this one. So that's that's uh that's crazy though. Yeah, it it is what it is, man. We 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 make we make uh, we make the best of what what gets put in front of us. We we still have that cooperate and graduate mentality. And uh, not everything is uh, sunshine and roses every day, but if it was, then we'd want to do that. Yeah. So that kind of brings us back to present day. So, so your your company uh, is JDP, right? JDP Associates. JDP or J- Search. JDP, JDP Search. Search. Okay. And so your focus is on placing executives into roles. Like, do you have a specialty, like a sweet spot that you that you're focused I, I on? I basically do anything that happens within a manufacturing plant. I've been doing some. I've, I've been having a few people reaching out to me for cybersecurity because we have a great network uh, in that niche because of a few classmates and a few associates that have a military background. Companies are starting to figure out that their talent gap specifically in that area can be covered by a lot of people getting out of the military. Uh, but uh, like like in the last month, I, I put a uh, HR director for Mike Karsanovich's company. Mike's a, a former Army football player. He's the president of a company out of Vermont. And uh, I've been doing a lot of work with uh, Neil Minahan. Neil's, uh, Neil's got a private equity company, so he buys and sells companies. He assesses them. And then those companies, they make changes, and uh, they'll call me up and say, hey, can you do this? And, I had a plant manager uh, start about uh, two weeks ago at a company about three hours uh, from uh, from where I live. So uh, what I tell people is I basically find I find leaders and I find problem solvers. And I've developed a incredible network on LinkedIn. I know LinkedIn like the back of my hand. Um, one thing people don't know is only 40% of LinkedIn's profiles are actually active. So it's, it's one of those things where you, ha- you have to have more than one fishing pole in the water. And I'm, I'm, uh, I'm constantly learning. Like I'm 18 years in the business and I'm actually, I'm taking a course now, uh, called get clients. Now it's a, it's a six week course that breaks down, uh, different methods. And I'm going to be focused basically on cold calling and email marketing plan. I mean, I'm one of those people that I actually like calling people on the phone. Uh, I think a lot of people have stopped doing that and they're hiding behind the, uh, the email. And I get more business on calling. You just, I mean, I'm looking at my board now and five of the last eight openings I've worked on are companies that called me asking me if I could, um, be of assistance so that I'm doing something right but um, it, so, so it, this is your it's your it's your own gig right I mean you this it's is my own, it's my own gig you're an entrepreneur I, yeah I'm I've recruited recruiters so I belong to a few networks 
I've hired a couple people to be recruiters for me. I mean, I hired I hired another academy guy, and there aren't a lot of people that want to work as hard as I do. They they they're like, well, you have a lot of business. Can you just hand us a few clients and we'll work on them? And I'm like, no, no, you 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 have to have a hunter and farmer mentality. You can't just get handouts. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I I had to tell a company last week not to make an offer to a guy because <laughs> he kept uh, he kept trying to get his uh, draw pay higher than the range. And I'm like, if you get someone that just wants a, a, a very high salary and doesn't want any skin in the game, doesn't want any commission, it they're they're going to drag you down. Oh, you bet. have to have you have to have somebody that wants to share the risk with you. Right. So what what advice would you give? I mean, we've got a number of classmates here coming up on 28, 29 years, going to be transitioning out. What's the What's the ideal, what's the ideal, where do you see like trends, opportunities, where, where should those, like those people be looking at in terms of uh, next stages would, of their I would, career? I would, I would tell them to do things that they love. Here's the thing. You're getting, you're getting a retirement pay. Okay. Don't get into something that, that's going to stretch you out. But the problem with people like us is we're always looking for a challenge. We're always looking. We're always looking for okay. What can we accomplish tomorrow? What can we do better tomorrow than we did today? <clears throat> so, I would, I would first find out. You know what I would do? I would buy Matt. I would buy Matt's book because <laughs> Matt Lewis, once again, mission transition. If you read his book from start start to finish, you have to figure out what who you are first before you decide what you want to do. And by the way, just just as a, a reminder too, there's an email that went out from Scott Clemenson on how you can get a copy, free copy of that book. So yes. follow follow the follow that uh, breadcrumb trail to to get a copy of the book if you want it. Well, what, what I would tell them is get on LinkedIn, reach out. Just you, they make it so easy now that you can click on United States Military Academy, and and once you fill out your profile, you're going to get people who you might know popping up on your screen. And I always tell people you're, you're more likely to get hired by a friend or someone in your network than applying to a job. How about that grad link thing that the grad link, which is AOG's. I, you know, Jamie, I've got it on my, let's get more active with it. I've heard a lot of good things about it, but there's only so many hours in the day. Mm-hmm. There really are. There's, there's really so many hours in the day. And, and my, my focus is I have these positions that are open. I've got to get people interviewing because most of the companies that work with me pay me money up front to start the search. Mm-hmm. It's not full retained. There are some, I do some full retainer, but I fill 88% of the jobs if a company pays me 3,500 or 5,000 up front. Mm-hmm. Because it's not the thirty five hundred or five thousand that they're giving me that I'm working for. I'm working for the twenty five, fifteen thousand to twenty five thousand dollars on the back end. Mm-hmm. I like I like that you get money up front too, though, because it gets gets their skin in the game. I think that's so well, critical. The, the, thing, the thing is, is is companies now they'll call. Like I had a company call, and and I walk them through my spiel, and I tell them, I go, listen, I do this, this, and this. If you can't agree to one of these, I'm probably not the recruiter out there. There's hundreds of recruiters you can pick from. Mm-hmm. But I have a process, and I make my clients actually do homework. I give them a position intake form for them to explain to me 
how I can present their position to somebody where it will be attractive. Mm-hmm. The, the, the days of posting a job description and thinking that's going to turn somebody on, uh, you might as well go get a Xena 248 and try to try to compete with today's laptop. I mean, it's not it's not going to happen. Right. It's, uh, it has to be attraction based because they're driving the market right now. Candidates have the keys. Uh, I told this to a client a couple weeks ago. I said the best thing that could happen to our business, recruiting business right now, is a recession. And he said, why? I go, because all of the people that are trying our business, because in an up market, you, you can make you can make good, good coin. They all leave. So all of those clients that are being serviced by people that are just here temporarily are out of the way. Mm-hmm. And they'll find the JDP searches. Awesome. Because they need their job filled. So I have to, I mean, I, I remember at a reunion, I was in the elevator and somebody, I, we were going to the, we were going to the chapel for a memorial and somebody was in the elevator with me and they looked at me and they go, how'd you do that? I go, do what? He goes, a blog post just popped up on my phone. I follow your blog. And it just, I go, listen, it's automated. I didn't, it's not like I have a, I don't have a Harry Potter wand where I'm like, hocus pocus, but I've, I've learned a certain um, protocol that I follow. I have people, I okay the articles, but they share them in various places at various times mm-hmm. to get the biggest bang for the buck. That's cool, like in PR. So, so John, I um, just got to keep an eye on the time here. We're running up against the, uh, I mean, time just flies. I mean, as, as I told you, we, we would be done with this podcast. I'm, before. I'm, you- I'm having a blast. I'm, I'm glad <laughs> Hammer, Hammer is busting my top for the last hour and a half. But yeah, there's some funny comments. He's gonna have hell to pay this weekend because I'm coming out to see him. I want to get him on this thing. I told him. I said, I, I you know, he's, he'd be a great, he'd be a great personality for this. Oh, we're gonna get him on this thing. So, um, so we're so, you know, we're running up against the end of the the podcast, and just curious in terms of like any 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 final thoughts, any kind of words of wisdom or nuggets of guidance that you want to yeah, share thing, with one us. One thing we didn't talk. One thing we didn't talk about. Mm-hmm. You shit Kim. Yeah. And John you Keenan. Kim, you shit Kim was my roommate at Fort Lewis. Um, you shit uh, is Korean, was Korean. Unfortunately, he passed of liver cancer, I believe. And I remember when we were out at Fort Lewis, you would have kimchi night. And Cisco would have go out to eat night. The night that he would have kimchi night. Because I don't know if you... No, kimchi has a, a certain uh, fragrance. Yeah, fragrance. <laughs> fragrance. Put it mildly. Hey, I was in Korea, man. I actually, I, I developed a, a taste for for kimchi out in the field. There's nothing else to eat, so yeah. So, so Yush would Yush and his girlfriend, who turned out to be his wife, <clears throat> would have kimchi night. I would go with Tom Raggio to. I think it was called. Oh my gosh. The Lakewood Bar and Grill in Tacoma, Washington, <laughs> was uh, was a fabulous place. But unfortunately, I, I found out once once I got in the military, you uh, and I crossed paths. But then I found out he got real sick and he ended up passing away. And I, I, I had no second thoughts. I I didn't care what was going on. I I canceled a couple of visits and I went. I I got to D.C. for for the funeral. And I remember at um, we had some classmates there. We're in Arlington, and and you could almost I can envision where exactly I was standing 
when they were doing the eulogy and they were playing taps. But there's one thing at his funeral that I'll never forget. And big guys, I don't think he's on the call, but John Keenan. Um, John and I go, we, we, uh, I didn't know John as a cadet. Okay. I knew he was a guy that had the beer with Schwarzkopf, but we didn't become best friends until OBC. And John was actually the best man at my wedding. And I, I've got to, I got to figure out how to do it. But John did his best man speech with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And my family, they, they love him. They, they adopt him as, as my second brother. But when we were, we were in a room and, and, and Yusha's kids were young. And his wife came up to me, gave me a big hug. Says, "Go on, fill in." And next thing I know, John Keenan is down on his knee, and he's talking to Yushi's kids eye to eye. And from that day on, anytime I talk to a little a little guy or a little gal, I get down, I look at him eye to eye because I, I get it. But John was telling his kids how great of a guy Yush was. And I, I like to talk. <clears throat> Dead silent. I was silent. I was stunned. I was proud to call him a friend, but I don't know where where he gets that kind of stuff. But he he had the attention of those kids. He had the attention of everybody around him. <clears throat> and his focal point was to let those kids know how great of a guy Yusha Kim was. And I I just think. We're going to see each other going forward. We're going to see uh, our, some of our classmates pass away and they have children. Somebody, be that John Keenan. I mean, you don't have to ask someone for a beer or whatever. Uh, but I just thought it was phenomenal what he did. And, uh, and, and I don't even think I've ever told him that in person. And I'm, I'm, supposed, I'm, I'm probably going to go watch his kid play uh, his youngest son plays uh, for Ithaca for college soccer. And I just think that was, it was a, just a testament of, of the kind of guy that John is. And I, it just, it stayed with me to this day. And I think also it speaks to the, the importance of us to remember our fallen classmates, you know, they'll, they'll yeah. live through our stories and, you know, thank you for mentioning also Pete Graff and, and, and Hags and, and McTeague and, uh, and we've gotten a chance to memorialize it. And there's many that I forgot. I, I apologize up front, but it, it, I'm trying to keep up with Hammer on here. So, <laughs> yeah, he, he's hammering away in, the, in his comments. But um, John, it's been it's been great having you on the on the podcast. And um, you know, I, I, if you've got some other other parting final thoughts, um, you know, let me have them. Otherwise, we'll uh, we'll wrap this up. No, it just uh, beat Western Kentucky. That's all I got. Beat Western Kentucky. All right. Well, thanks very much, and thanks everybody for joining us tonight. Uh, John, just hang around on the on the line we'll for do. a little bit. We'll we'll, we'll catch up. So, thanks very much, everybody, right. for being here. Thank you for joining us on this edition of the Duty Shall Be Done Old Grad Podcast. Please check back on this Facebook page for information about featured guests and upcoming episodes of the Duty Shall Be Done Old Grad Podcast.